Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We made it to the end of week one, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, as always, for tuning in here on Fantasy NBA Today. A Sports Ethos presentation. I'm Dan Vespris. Uh, do I dare count in-season episodes? Nah. That was really only something we did to while away the hours because, you know, like, the... It was... It hurt, man. All those long off-season days. Ooh, man. Felt like it would never end. And then it did. So now we don't really need to count anymore because we're not, like, hashing marks into the prison cell wall at this point. Um, thank you to everybody that has found the podcast recently. I'm going to be pumping the crap out of it on social media, so just get used to that. We are back to having all of our instant stuff. Well, I guess it's not instant. Let me be a bit more clear. First of all, I'm Dan Bespris. Hi, everybody. At Dan Bespris on Twitter. I know I push the social media thing pretty hard on this pod, but it actually is mission critical during the in-season months. I don't push it as hard during the off-season, but for a, a few weeks leading up to opening night, you know, April to September, I generally kind of leave you alone about the Twitter stuff because there just isn't that much going on out there. But now there is. You know, I've got What to Watch For threads. We've got the nightly recap that comes well before this podcast comes out. And then, of course, if you guys want instant thoughts where I put things basically before anybody else sees them, that's in our premium Discord. That's to anybody that has a fantasy pass or any bundle that includes a fantasy pass. If you just got a draft guide because you didn't want a six-month membership, you can actually get the fantasy pass now. It's month-to-month as of opening night. So you can just kind of demo it for a month, $5.99. See if you like it. If you love Discord, if you love the Q&A sessions we've got in our forums, projections, we've got these video shows, schedule grid, streaming charts. Those are really helpful for head-to-head leagues. You want to maximize your games each week. Uh, And then I was just talking about the instant Discord stuff. That's the fastest way to get the thoughts from my head to yours. Go check out a fantasy pass at sportsethos.com. It's Friday's show, which means uh, it's end of the week. I want to kind of settle us back into the rhythm of the season. And the rhythm of the season is that on Friday episodes, we do a week in review. Now, we did a little bit of that with Brew on yesterday's show. That Thursday live format is going to change a bit as we work our way into the season. There will be more Q&As certain weeks than others. Uh, We wanted to kind of go through everything on yesterday's show as best we could because it's that first week and everything is so fresh and there's all these things happening. But again, as the season goes, we'll focus more and more our live shows on Thursdays. Again, Thursday morning at 11 a.m. on YouTube. And then you guys get it here on the podcast after We'll be focusing on the big, the broad stuff, the big picture things, strategic, that type of elements, which then will kind of open up Friday's shows, these ones, for the Week in Review. But we're going to do the Week in Review anyway, I because you guys seem to like the way I had it sort of uh, organized and clustered last year, which was basically, I want to go through what's happened over the course of this week, which Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, effectively, it's a short one. Ads, drops, holds, watch list guys, streamers, buy lows, and sell highs. That's the, the categories. I think that's six or seven categories. And most weeks, that'll take about a half an hour. Beca- and, you know, there's like, I don't know, 20 to 25 names in a given week that make it onto the list. Well, opening week, we're like up around 40 names or something absurd like that. 
because everything is crazy right now. So what we're going to do today, that's also a little bit different than what we'll do on Fridays going forward, is we're going to move through the names faster. I'm not going to have time to give you, you know, a minute or two minutes on each guy. It's going to be more like 30 seconds on each player because I also want to take a moment here at the on our Friday show to give you guys the taste of the weekend preview, meaning not necessarily every ball game over the weekend, but you just want to take a quick glance at what's coming up and then figure out what you're looking for in those games. We have a much better idea right now of that than we did even two days ago when we were trying to kind of play that game with the Wednesday card. Because at least now we've seen every team play. We have a data point for every team in the NBA. So let's just dive on in. Uh, you guys will get the idea as we get started. We can review. We'll start with the ads because that's everybody's favorite thing. I want to also mention, by the way, some of these guys, some of, many of them are going to be on rosters. I'm not going by the Yahoo ad or rostership percentage. I'm just going based on guys that might be on your wire. High probability, low probability, whatever. We're not going to go with big names. Uh, the Brewski 150 has a bunch of these guys, so it's possible that those of you are listening and thinking, oh, well, those guys are all on teams because of the B-150. Yeah, that's true, but not everybody has that. And so maybe you're in a league where folks weren't using the Brewski 150, uh, and those a couple of these guys might be floating around. These are in no real particular order other than kind of working backwards through the week. I found it easy to just do it that way. Uh, so ad number one, Santi Aldama. We talked about with Brew on yesterday's show. He's got that job right now. Um, and there's kind of no reason not to add him, at least to see how this thing goes. I mean, there's a very real possibility that it slows down for him. But right now, he's locked into that gig. We'll see how it rolls. He's an ad and a start. Isaiah Hartenstein and Anyika Okongwu, those guys were both very highly rated in the Brewski 150, but they are kicking around on waiver wires in some leagues, and they shouldn't be, so make sure that they're on a roster, hopefully yours. Io Desunmu, who we talked about on yesterday's show as well, he's got a great gig in Chicago, especially with Zach Levine's knee being all weird and Lonzo Ball being out for probably most of this season. Uh, will his role shrink when Levine is playing? Absolutely, but when he's out, he's an obvious Roto Games cap stream, and when Levine is in, we still don't have that data point, but it's looking more and more like he'll probably stay above the cut line than anyway. And we'll have to see how many games they give Zach off over the course of this year. So Desumu belongs on a roster as well. Josh Hart, who, you know, I thought he was drafted in most leagues, but then it, it sort of popped up that he was a free agent in a couple of spots. He shouldn't be. He's the starter in Portland. He has a very fantasy-friendly game from a shooting guard spot. He's an excellent rebounding guard. Um, so if he happens to be bouncing around, is it roster ship went up to like 75% from 60 something after that big game. So most likely he's not anymore, but give just a quick glance. It takes you 10 seconds to type in his name. See if he's on any waiver wires for any leagues you're in. If he's not, meh, you move on. Uh, Jalen Duran in Detroit, who, you know, the more I look at that one, the more it feels like he's a guy who's just going to slowly get more over the course of the year. And going 0 for 4 at the free throw line was a sock to the nards. But everything else he did in that first game was wonderful. 14 and 10 with three blocks. He is electrifying athletically. He's going to have really easy looks. He's going to have a great field goal percent. I don't know if he scores 14 points a night. I don't even know if his playing time is 22 minutes every every ball game. But, you know, the minute there's an availability there. And if Isaiah Stewart craps out, because it kind of looked like he was last year. If he craps out again, 
that table could flip and you see Duran move in front. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we kind of get it, get a feel for what the free throw thing is going to be. It's probably not going to be great. And then the, hopefully it'll be better than zero. Still, he belongs on rosters as does his teammate, Jaden Ivy, who I, I think we're going to see some efficiency stuff crop up that you didn't see in game one when he went eight for 15 from the field and he made his free throw. Let's hope he makes his free throws. He's not the point guard on this team, even if, like, I, maybe you could argue that, like, defensively he might be guarding point guards because I think Cade is a little bit bigger. But Cade is running the team. It's Cade's show, and Ivy's kind of the second show guy. But Ivy is going to be a very good steals guy. We saw that in the preseason as well. That should translate. You know, three a game is obviously not going to stick. Turnovers are probably going to be a problem. Field goal percent is probably going to be a problem. But we got to look at sort of the good in game one, playing against a bad opponent. We're going to get a look at the bad sometime soon, so don't be surprised if this is a dude that bounces back onto waiver wires. It just feels like he's in a better spot than a lot of first-year guards because he doesn't have to orchestrate. But if he can get steals and hit some threes, he can cover up the fact that he's not going to get a ton of assists here in, uh, in season one as more of an off guard. I threw Boyan Bogdanovich on this list as well. Um, you know, he's a guy that was also drafted in a lot of spots, uh, almost like a surprise draft. Guys took him toward at the end. It didn't seem like his role was going to be secure in Detroit, and then he exploded in game one. He had six three-pointers. He's another guy who's probably going to fizzle as the year goes, but he's an excellent foul shooter. If he's getting good looks, which, you know, who knows? He might be in a little bit of a veteran can he get a couple of rebounds? Maybe. It's not going to be much, but threes, free throw percent, some scoring. It does seem like he's going to have a role there, so he's an add as well. And Benedict Matherin, who, you know, the, like if you missed this one a few days ago, it's you're absolutely already too late. He's going to be on every team in your league. His roster should probably jump by about 25% overnight. But he does make the list for ads because this is a weekend review episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Drops. There were only a couple of guys that were drafted that I feel like you can pretty safely drop right now, and their names are Chris Duarte and Mo Bamba. Now, on the Duarte front, you're waiting out a Buddy Heald move. If Heald gets moved, Duarte probably slides into a good enough role where he then belongs back on rosters, but we don't know if or when that's going to happen. Heald has multiple seasons left on his contract in a way that Miles Turner does not, so it makes him a little bit harder to shift. I think they kind of like healed on that team even as they lose because he does provide a certain i don't know floor spacing that boy a lot of teams could use looking at you lakers horrible three-point shooting oh my god oh i want to do an episode on the watching the lakers shoot three-pointers but i don't know if anybody could even listen to it and then on the Mo Bomber front, they gave him an extension and then played him 12 minutes in the opener and it just didn't look like they had any intention of playing him more I don't understand that one at all. They're a huge, long team. They gave Bull Bull more minutes than Bamba. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could argue it worked. But what does it worked even mean? Uh, because they looked like kind of okay in that ball game. I mean, they lost to an equally bad team. Jalen Suggs fouled out in 25 minutes. By the way, he's on our list uh, in a different column, so wait on that one. But I, I don't know, man. Like that, 
Bamba missed his free throws. He missed his shots. I, 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 you know, he'll probably get more than 12 minutes, but we kind of need double that. And I don't see how that happens if they're really intent on playing bowl bowl for 17 and a half minutes of ball game. And then we know Wendell Carter Jr. is going to get most of the center minutes. So that leaves, what, backup power forward, backup center, some weird revolving center door? Not good, Bob. Holds! Caleb Martin is a hold. I almost threw him in an ad category, but it's hard to put him as an ad after he had kind of a pedestrian first ball game. But he's the starting power forward for the Miami Heat, which I think may have kind of gotten lost in all of this thing. He took P.J. Chuck Tucker's job from last year. Uh, his first game was not impressive. Seven points, four boards, three assists, and two steals, but a three-pointer, no turnovers, three for nine shooting. Um... So there is a floor spacing ability there, even if the shots didn't drop in game one. But you have to like the fact that he's going to get some boards. He'll get a couple of assists. He generally doesn't make mistakes out there. And he'll usually get you some steals. I bet you he finds a block or two as this season wears on. I think Caleb Martin could actually end up being one of those weird, almost steals-y kind of players. Like the almost what you'd call a true sleeper. Because he got drafted... But I don't even know if people realized why he got drafted. Uh, and the why is because he's likely to get starters minutes this year. You know, last season in 22 and change minutes per game, he averaged a steal and half a block. If you jack that up to 29 or 30, you could probably put him in the neighborhood of 1.4 steals, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 blocks. So a really good looking number on the defensive side. You're probably looking at between four and five rebounds, between two, eh, yeah, probably around two assists, probably one and a half three-pointers, especially if he does get nine shots a game. That would be a really nice bounce from six and change last year to get up to nine. Uh, he, he profiles really nicely on the roto side in particular. So if Caleb Martin got dropped, or if he's floating around, I would suggest an ad on him. I think he's one of the quieter guys you can probably still find in fact he's only eight percent rostered although he, <laughs> this is why i gotta change what my fantasy leagues he's rostered in six out of my eight leagues uh and uh, eight out of everybody else's hundred so go figure uh kyle lowry is a how a hold i don't know that i need to explain that one he just couldn't make a shot in the first one if you change his first line from guy who missed everything to guy who made some stuff then it would look totally fine mitchell robinson is a hold he was in foul trouble in game one uh, Isaiah Jackson is a hold, uh, mostly because of the upside built in to when he starts getting 20-plus minutes per ball game. although that one could be a little bumpy in the early going. I thought with Miles Turner out, he would post a better line in Game 1, so we wouldn't have to have this conversation, but he didn't, so we do. DeAnthony Melton is a hold right now, although I'll admit there's a worry on that one. Uh, he played better in Game 2 than he did in Game 1. The hope is that he plays a little better basically every game as they go. Uh, you might start to see Philly go smaller at times. Do they, you know, move Tobias Harris off the floor? Does he lose out in this? I think Melton eventually works his way into the low to mid-20s in minutes, at which point he does become a fantasy asset. Question is, how long does it take to get there, and do we want to wait it out? I'm going to say tentatively yes right now, but I do have some worry on the Melton side. 
Trey Jones is a hold. I didn't know where to put Trey Jones because I we talked about him on yesterday's show too. I wasn't as high on Trey as a lot of the analyst community. I liked him coming into the year, but then started he, you know, he was going to take a pick in the 80s, like a late 7th early 8th, and I you know, I I can look at almost all of my draft results. That range there were guys that I wanted way more than Trey Jones. You know, end of 7th Larry Markkinen is still on the board. Gary Trent Jr. is still on the board. And those are the obvious ones. Colin Sexton's usually still on the board. Jalen Smith is still on the board. Sometimes Tyler Hero is still floating around out there. And then there's Jones, who in this draft, actually, the one I'm looking at right now went a little bit later. He went closer to 100 than 85. And, and I think that's probably a more reasonable place to find him because those other guys I was listing... I mean, you can even add names like Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington to the list that probably should have gone in, gone in front. But if you could get him like closer to 100, then that's fine. And I guess that's why I put him in the holds list because some folks maybe got him a tiny bit later. I don't know. I just I wanted to talk about him for a second, and that's where we're at. Kelly Olynyk is a hold. He got in uh, horrendous foul trouble in game one. I still don't feel like we have a data point on him. So that's why he's a hold. Because we don't know. If he doesn't get in foul trouble in Utah's next ball game, which I believe is tonight, but I can double check on that. Yeah, they're in Minnesota, so it's going to be another fun one for Olenek. This time, at least he's dealing with Gobert, so he's probably not going to be in foul trouble unless they switch him off onto onto Cat. I don't know. We'll see what they do with Vanderbilt versus Olenek in that matchup. Hopefully, Kelly isn't in foul trouble. We can get a better idea of actually how many minutes they want to play him under a normal banner of a night, and then we'll have a call on what to do with Olenek. But for right now, just hang on and see what happens. Dorian Finney-Smith is a hold because he played 40 minutes, and pretty much anybody that plays 40 minutes deserves a spot on a fantasy team. Let's see what he does as this team settles in a little bit. How many shots does he get? How many rebounds does he get? His job shouldn't change that much, uh, but it could. Yeah, you know, say if someone like a Christian Wood changes the way the offense flows, because the Dallas centers really didn't do anything offensively last year, particularly after Porzingis was traded. And, you know, KP did stuff, but he was hurt a bunch. So, you know, Finney Smith had to step up a little bit in that regard. And now you, you do have to wonder a tiny bit if this impacts his usage, which is already very low. And I'd be worried that it goes a tiny bit lower. But dude played 40 minutes, so hold on a little bit longer. Watch list. Bruno Fernando is on the watch list. I went back and looked at some of his old line scores, and even in 20-plus minutes per game a couple of times, I think it was with the Hawks, he still didn't do much. That could be different here as a center on a young run-and-gun team, and if that's the case, then we'll add him. But I kind of need to see it again, because like he got a bunch of blocks in that first game. Historically, he hasn't actually been a big blocks guy from the center spot. And a bunch of assists, that was pretty weird. But are they running some offense through him? I think we need to watch that Houston, uh, their next ball game, a little more closely, um, which is tonight. They're hosting the Grizzlies. Should be another high-scoring affair, so that's good for us. And get a feel for what Fernando's position is on that team uh, while they push Alperen Sengun off to the side in kind of an hilarious uh, turn of events. <laughs> like... We're not going to laugh about it, but how many times on this pod did we say Shengun's going too early? 15? 20? Not right about a lot of things, but we tend to be right about the buzz guys. 
Royce O'Neal is on the watch list. He played well. Um, and then we got word that Joe Harris is coming back for Brooklyn's game at home. They're hosting the Raptors tonight. Does that blow up O'Neal? If it doesn't, then I think you move him up into the ad board, or at least the stream board. But for right now, he's on the watch board. Cam Reddish, not excited about that, but he is on the watch list. He had a good first game, felt very fluky, a one-game sample size kind of thing. Uh, feels like if he's not hot, he's going to play 16 minutes and not do anything with them. We'll see. Kelly Oubre is on my watch list. I want to see how many minutes he gets in a non-blowout. That's really the question there. You could tell what they wanted to do with some of the other starters on the Charlotte side. Uh, where the hell was that game? They played San Antonio, right? Yeah. So, like, P.J. Washington got nearly 30 minutes. Rozier, 30. Uh, Hayward, 29. And then Oubre was 24. Now, he had fouls. He had four fouls in that game, so there was a little bit of foul stuff. But... If it's not a blowout, if there aren't fouls, is he slated for 25 minutes per game? Or is he slated for 28 or 29? And that's a big difference for me because Oubre is not a fantasy magnet. He's good for threes, points, and steals, but he's not great for boards, assists, and he's definitely not good for for percentages. So you need to overwhelm those with the high-flying... What was Oubre? Was that in Phoenix? Ugh, can't remember what everything happened. It was Phoenix before Golden State, before Charlotte... When Oubre had that good year. Because if you're looking at that, that's a guy who was top 70 range. I think Oubre should be rostered is kind of where I'm going with this. Um, And he generally is. He was someone that got drafted in a lot of in the more competitive leagues. I I don't think he's available in any leagues that I'm in. Uh, But only 23 minutes was slightly concerning. He was able to put up a pretty good fantasy line anyway because the Spurs aren't going to play much defense this year. But I want us to keep a close watch on what he does under a normal ball game. We need a normal data point from that team. Nick Richards is on the watch list for the same reason. Do his minutes go down in a more competitive game? I think they probably do. Plumlee's still the starting center, and he tends to play more minutes, but that game was out of hand. Kevin Herter is also on my watch list. I just don't think he's that efficient every ball game, and I don't think that you're going to get... Demonis Sabonis having foul issues every ball game. I think you see more Harrison Barnes. You'll see some Keegan Murray when he gets slotted in. It just feels like Herder might have had his best game of the year in the opener. Nowhere to go but down from here. Maybe not. We'll see. That's why he's on the watch list. We're moving along here at a pretty good clip, folks. We only have like 15 names left. Good God. Good God. Actually, you know what? This is a perfectly good opportunity to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped.com. Wanted to sing it today. Feeling good. We made it to Friday. Feeling good. Uh, And guess what? It's time for some Halloween ad copy with our buddies over at Manscaped. It says to cue the haunted music. I ain't got no haunted music on this pod. It's just me yelling at you. But look, Mike Myers. Michael Myers. (laughs) Gotta get the name right, you idiot. Michael Myers sure is scary, but the last thing you need is to be hairy this Halloween. Isn't it nice that scary and hairy rhyme with one another? Luckily, our friends at Manscaped launched their fourth generation's performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. Head over to manscaped.com, use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping. The code, once again, is ethos20. Make the right call this spooky season. It's treat, trick, or trim 
with manscaped.com. I would also say, by the way, and my wife insisted that I throw uh, that I throw her into this discussion. She used my uh, luxury nail kit from Manscaped. They call it the Shears. I think it's the Shears 2.0. The nail clipper is unbelievably resilient. I used to use a fishing line clipper on my nails, but I have what's known as toe thumb. It's a real thing. You could Google it. Megan Fox has it. Uh, those fingernails are straight thick. And the shears, the luxury nail kit, can handle even the best brisk toe thumb. Uh, it also has a file, a pair of clippers, and then I think that's tweezers over on the side there. I hope you don't need tweezers for your nails. But if you do, you know, maybe get a splinter or something, you can pop that sucker out. You can get 20% off and free shipping on the shears as well. So do head over to manscaped.com. Once again, thank you to them for coming along here on our third season of Partnership Ethos 20, the promo code. Check them out now. Buy lows and sell highs is a little bit of an exercise in futility after the first three days of the season, but you just never know who might be hitting the panic button in your league. And for that reason, we're going to rattle these names off very quick because I don't think they're going to land in a lot of ways, but I do want to throw them out there anyway. Bobby Portis is a buy low. As much as I love Brooke Lopez, and I do, he was on our old man squad. That was the ultimate in Brooke Lopez first games. He got an Embiid matchup, which meant the Bucks needed to stay huge. And by the way, Brooke did a wonderful job on Joel Embiid, who we did get some news about, by the way. I'll throw that news out there. Nothing critical, but in a moment. Um, so Portis is likely going to play a little bit more. Most games, it was 22-ish, I think, minutes in the first one. Still double-doubled, so folks probably aren't that concerned, but if you can buy low on him, he's likely going to be a little bit better than that on a night-to-night -night basis. Kawhi Leonard is a buy low, which, yeah, it's got a little bit of a shame because I did draft him in a few spots thinking that they wouldn't go quite this extreme on the kid gloves. We know that there's going to be days off on every back-to-back. -back. That's built into this the Kawhi Leonard draft spot, but bringing him off the bench for 20 minutes in the first one was... A little upsetting. It felt like maybe they had enough time to get that knee uh, closer to, like, 24, 25 that first game. Because remember, he hasn't played since, I think, April of 2021. It's a long layoff. They weren't going to just drop him in for full starters minutes. Two weeks from now, we probably won't be worried too much about this, but someone might get annoyed that they spent their third rounder or whatever on Kawhi, and maybe you can go get him for your fourth or something like that. Desmond Bain, Brew gave you that on yesterday's show. He's a buy low. He was cramping and missed every shot he took in game one. Drew Holiday is a buy low. He wasn't cramping, but he missed every shot he took in game one. Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, those guys are buy lows in the same way that Aaron Gordon is a sell high because as Denver settles in this year, you're going to see their those two dudes take from the Aaron Gordon bucket. Gordon took 17 shots in Denver's blowout loss in their opener. Those are going to go to Jamal. Those are going to go to Michael Porter. Uh, oh, you know who I forgot to put on this list was Bones. Bones is on my worry list. He's a hold, but uh, he's on the worry hold list. Dude only played 16 minutes in the opener. Uh, and that's with Jamal Murray still on a minutes restriction. So, yeah, that is cause for concern. Make no mistake. Um, but Aaron Gordon, 22-10. and 10, He's not going to average that this season. And then at the same time... Uh, MPJ, who actually wasn't bad in the opener. Without the four turnovers, it was actually kind of a decent line. But Jamal Murray, only 26 minutes, really easing in. We talked about this even when you were drafting him. There's going to be a month or a month and a half of rust on Jamal. And when he shakes it off, we'll know it. 
But you're going to probably want to get in there before it happens. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is a buy low. Horrible foul trouble. Still grab double-digit rebounds in their opener. He's going to be a rebounding behemoth this year in Utah. He might be my strongest buy low recommendation of anybody in fantasy basketball. Uh, you have this... You have this very small window here between when you listen to this podcast and when Utah plays their next ball game where you might be able to get Vanderbilt for some kind of decent late-round price. He looks like he's going to be awesome. Seven points and 12 boards in 18 minutes. Like, it's not always going to come quite that easy, but Utah's other rebounders aren't good. Olenek's not a rebounder. Markkanen is a meh rebounder. The guards are very small, Clarkson, Sexton, Conley. It's Vanderbilt or bust to grab the boards on that team. Dude could very easily average 11 or 12 rebounds a game this season. Go get him because he's going to play in the mid to high 20s in minutes if he's not in foul trouble. And you might see, who did we just say Utah's playing tonight? Minnesota? Uh, you know what? Maybe that'll be a tough one too. They gotta, he's got to deal with Cat and Gobert. So you might have one more game, depending on how this one goes. Uh, but, oh, and then the Pels, he's got Zion. All right, so by the 24th, by Monday, at the absolute latest, you're going to run out of time to get Jared Vanderbilt because then they play Houston two times in a row, and he's probably going to have 30 rebounds in those two games. Go try to get him. If you have anybody you drafted late that overperformed a bit in their first ball game, just see if you can make the swap. Big time buy low on Jared Vanderbilt. Cam Johnson and Chris Paul are by low. Uh, Cam... Got hurt partway through. Seems like he's fine. Chris Paul just didn't feel it in Phoenix's game. He'll be fine in that next one. I don't think these are really ones that you're going to be able to pull off. Same story for Al Horford. Someone might be regretting that one. If you can get him for, uh, you know, an 80 to 100 range dude, you do it. And then Jordan Poole, who took a billion shots and missed them all. Uh, again, going to be a very hard one to pull off, but you can try. We already mentioned Aaron Gordon on the sell-high side. Andrew Wiggins with four three-pointers. He made three of them in the final couple of minutes uh, of the Warriors' win over the Lakers. It's not going to be that good night tonight. Monte Morris is a sell-high only because his first game wasn't so terrible, and so folks might have looked at it like, oh, I guess this is going to be all right. But dude actually lost the position battle to DeLon Wright in game one. Lost in the shuffle. And he rebounded and got steals in a way that Monte Morris is not going to do throughout the year. If you can exchange him for someone who was drafted near him in your league, I would do it. And then, yes, this dude stuffed it right in my grill. I'll wear it, man. Ivica Zubats had a huge first game against the Lakers. But he's also a sell high because the Clippers' old goats, the guys that they expect to play some of that stretch five, were old. They played old in the first game. Marcus Morris played old. He'll see more center minutes as this season wears on. Batum will see some center minutes as this season wears on. Covington might even see some center minutes as this season wears on. It is, however, worth mentioning the Clippers don't have Serge Ibaka or Isaiah Hartenstein anymore. So there isn't a traditional backup large big man. So Zubats' minutes should be a little bit higher than seasons past, which gives him maybe more like a 100-range target on the year instead of where he's been lately on a per-game basis. Even last year, he was more in that like 120 to 140 range. So he might be a little bit better this year. I will give Zubats that. But 14, 17, and 5 blocks, yeah. I mean, I think we all know that that's not going to be a line that happens on a night-to-night basis, especially when you consider the fact that he had the second-highest minutes of anybody on the team behind 
only Paul George. Whew. And that is your week in review here on the pod. Now, we're not done yet, everybody. First of all, thank you once again to our other partners here, ExpressVPN and Thrive Fantasy. By the way, I definitely want you guys to check out our buddies over at Thrive Fantasy. I'm not going to do a full read for them today, but do check out Thrive. Our DFS podcast uh, has daily plays, the DFS delivery, and props. We have top props on the website now. Those are available in the DFS pass. That's only $4.99 a month, actually. That'll get you started over at Thrive with their top plays, their favorite plays over there. And it's prop bets. It's fun. I, I don't know. I hate DFS, but I don't. I really I like props. I like it's betting. But then you pick 10 out of 20 props. If you get the ones that hit, you win money. It's great. It's Thrive Fantasy. Promo code over there is ethos. Uh, and you get a deposit match on whatever you throw in up to 250 bucks. So that's thrivefantasy.com. But I wanted to actually take this this brief break between the weekend review and the weekend upcoming to uh, remind you guys that we are still recruiting over at Sports Ethos. We got a ton of submissions yesterday. It took me almost all night to work through kind of triaging where people wanted to go. But we actually had someone in our DFS department have to step away for a leave of absence. So there is an opening, possibly even two, in the DFS side, and that would be the quickest way to get yourself involved here at Sports Ethos. Uh, hit me up about that if you want to talk about full-season fantasy in football, basketball, baseball, DFS in any of those sports, if you want to cover a team. All of that stuff is cool. At Dan Vespers on Twitter or email roster at sportsethos.com. Over the weekend, and this is the, you know, we'll play this little game if you want to call it that. I want to try to do it in a decent clip here because we're over 30 some odd minutes into the show. What I want to do is just look at basically the Friday and Saturday cards and see who's playing and if there's anything specific we're watching for in those games. So we tend to do this pretty quickly. Strap on your helmet here. Let's let's get ourselves ready. We're going into the hard hat zone. Spurs are at Pacers tonight. That's the first game on the card. Um, watching Vassell to see if he can bounce back. Oh, by the way, he should have been in the hold section in our discussion. I don't missed De, missed Devin Vassell. Ah, farts. So close. Almost got them all. Uh, he's in the very comfortable hold. Uh, where someone like a Bones Highland, who we added late, is in the less comfortable position. Uh, you're watching Vassell. You're watching uh, Trey Jones. How great was Keldon Johnson in that first one? That was sweet. Uh, on the Indiana side, a lot to pay attention to there. Isaiah Jackson, the health of Jalen Smith, who was very good in Game 1 despite foul trouble. Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald is a lot. Uh, Chris Duarte, if he's healthy enough to go, there's a lot going on in Indiana to keep an eye on. Not a ton to watch in New Orleans. Does seem like their starting five is going to be pretty well locked into fantasy value of some kind. Charlotte, we already talked about Kelly Oubre as someone we're keeping an eye on there. Any backup center stuff, position battle at the big man side, that's to keep an eye on. Chicago, um, you know, Levine is back out for this ballgame tonight. I think on Saturday or Sunday when Levine is back, that's when you probably want to watch DeSumo to see what his role looks like. Washington, you're watching the point guard position battle more than anything else with the Wizards. That's kind of the big story there. Toronto, nothing. Brooklyn, the return of Joe Harris. That's something to watch for sure. Ben Simmons and what he looks like. You know, we faded him pretty hard after dude hasn't played in, in you know, since Kawhi Leonard time. Uh, Boston, you know, could Big Al bounce back? It's a better matchup. Bam is still relatively tough, but 
he's not Embiid. He's not going to try to back him in every offensive set. Uh, I'm just not going to get knocked around like that. So you're watching Big Al. What does Malcolm Brogdon do in Game 2? We talked about deep leaguer like a Grant Williams in Game 2. On the Miami side, Caleb Martin. Did you pick him up before that ball game starts? You probably should, because if he has a big one, you might be too late at that point. Kyle Lowry bounced back. Eh, again, not really something I'm paying super close attention to there. Orlando, I would like to see if Mobamba gets to play, although I think the answer's probably not much, but we'll see. Uh, Jalen Suggs and his role, if Cole Anthony is good to go, what does that mean then for the Orlando backcourt? And then Markel Fultz is a couple weeks away, so things are going to get really complicated there. Uh, I, I skipped the streams in our first chat, didn't I? Anyway, Jalen Suggs is one of them. Lonnie Walker and Pat Beverly are the others. That was a pretty quick one. They're uh, obvious why Suggs is a stream because two guards are out on Orlando and uh, Walker and Pat Beverly are streams because uh, you know, Walker's stat set isn't that great. And then Dennis Schroeder, I actually... You know, the, it's funny here, and, and we'll get to the Lakers in a look ahead, but I don't let me forget, he says to himself, but also to people listening that can yell at him, don't let me forget to talk about Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Atlanta, the Capella Okongwu thing, I guess, is something to watch, but not much. Detroit is in New York. A lot of these games start early today. This is all in the 4 or 4.30 range, Pacific time. Pistons, you're watching Duran. So the, the center battle, again, is a thing. Bogdanovich, can he replicate on the Knicks? What does the Hartenstein-Mitchell-Robinson situation look like if there isn't foul trouble? Not really that curious about Cam Reddish, but you can throw him on your board anyway. Utah, Olenek. Let's get a data point here. Vanderbilt, let's get a data point here. Although I think he's, again, intense by low on Vanderbilt. How easy was that Mike Conley, like 140th pick? Everybody skipped over the dude, but he's just so perfect for Roto right now because he's going to play a bunch of minutes the first half of the season. Minnesota, nothing really. Memphis, uh, yeah, we're watching Brandon Clark. Um, he should be on the hold board also, by the way. It's hard, man. There's too many freaking names this this week to get them all in there. Uh, very slight fear on Brandon Clark, but not a ton of worry there. His rotations got a little bit mucked up, uh, and he still managed 8-6. and six. Basically, he was a block away from being a normal Brandon Clark low-end line. So, yeah, not super worried about that one. But uh, we'll see. You're watching Santi Aldama as well. Houston side, you're watching Bruno Fernando and Alperen Sengun and how that whole thing shakes out. Uh, that's pretty much it there. Phoenix, not much. Portland, not much. It does seem like that's a starters-level battle in that game. Denver, actually, we'll see if Jamal Murray even plays in this ballgame, and if he does, what kind of minutes cap he gets, but not much with the Nuggets this year. Warriors, mm, yeah, not much there either. Flip over to Saturday as we continue our exploration of this weekend look ahead. Philly, they play on Saturday. Uh... It's a late afternoon game, I think. Sort of a weird start time in Philadelphia. We're watching DeAnthony Melton in that one more than anything else. Um, looking for the next team that didn't play on Friday that is going over the weekend. Uh, Cleveland, uh, mostly you're just watching to see if Darius Garland is playing in that game. If he's not, you're going to get a very heavy dose of Donovan Mitchell. Milwaukee, the the Portis-Brook Lopez thing, I think we'll probably keep an eye on that. I, I actually believe in all likelihood both of those guys end up having fantasy value. Dallas, over the weekend, oh, do they really have all those days off? Yeah, I guess they do. All right, you're watching Dorian Finney-Smith mostly in Dallas, more than anything. Oklahoma City, 
oof, what a cluster mess. Maybe somebody will rise above there besides Shea Gilgis Alexander, but I'm not that confident about it. Clippers, um, yeah, I mean, you'll see how Zubots follows up the first one here. He'll have a better battle at center with the Monus Sabonis, so he's going to get minutes, but I think it'll look a little bit different than that first one. Still, you know, this is a game that profiles well for him getting on the floor. Anything else with the Clips? You know, I got a bunch of questions on Twitter about, like, Norman Powell and uh, Rob Covington and things of that ilk. I just don't think there are enough minutes on the Clippers. There just sort of aren't enough minutes to go around. There will be games where Powell plays better. There will be games where Covington plays better. There will be games where Luke Kennard plays worse or Marcus Morris plays worse. But, you know, this, the John Wall and Reggie Jackson are splitting time. That team is just loaded with timeshares. And until it becomes obvious who's won the position battle, if ever, I don't know that any of them really belong on rosters. Including a guy like John Wall, who actually had a pretty good first game, but his turnovers are going to be high. He can't shoot free throws. The field goal percent is going to be low. And, you know, he's not going to get a boatload of assists because he's behind Paul George and Kawhi once he gets revved up. I just think a lot of those Clippers, I didn't draft any of them, and I don't really want any of them. Other than the studs, at least. Where the hell were we? What the what the bleep were we doing here when I got sidetracked? Uh, Kings, Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray, if he gets in there on uh, these upcoming games, that'll be kind of fun to see. But, um, you know, that'll be mostly it. I, I dodged Harrison Barnes. To me, again, it felt a little bit like there was kind of too much going on with that one. Um, and then the last thing I suppose is worth pointing out is that the Lakers don't play again until Sunday, and I wanted to talk about them. And I think they're the only team that we haven't talked about over the weekend yet. The only reason I want to bring up the Lakers, so Patrick Beverly not doing much offensively. Defensively, he's doing quite a lot. Um, now he has 10 defensive stats in two ball games, which is sweet because uh, he was, what, four steals, two blocks in the first one, two steals, two blocks in the second one. He kind of doesn't need to do anything else to get on your fantasy radar. Um, his three-pointer's not falling right now. I think he's two for, like, 12 from downtown. You know, if that was even four for 12 then we'd be having a pretty different discussion. Uh, he had five points, two boards, two steals, two blocks. If that was eight points, two threes, two steals, two blocks, I think everybody would be pretty excited about it. I'm starting Pat Bev until Dennis Schroeder comes back. Then I'm not certain. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because I actually, you know, the more I watch this Lakers team, and I watched both of their two games so far because ah, I'm a Laker fan, and then I kind of wanted to see if anything would occur there besides LeBron and AD. And right now it doesn't look like it. Um, and Russ is a disaster offensively. He actually played pretty hard yesterday. I'll give him that. He had five steals. Defense was good, but oof, 0 for 11 from the field. My good God. Couple of makes, Lakers might win this ballgame. I actually think Dennis Schroeder ends up with a pretty large role on this team. Now, he might not be back for a little bit yet, which, like, we need to be cognizant of. I don't, I don't suggest anyone goes out and stashes Dennis Schroeder because it could be three weeks, could be four, could be five. But when he plays, I feel pretty confident that Schroeder is going to see big minutes and do a lot with them. His game is not super fantasy friendly. That's one thing to keep in mind. Like, even when he's out there a lot, you know, he doesn't hit a ton of three-pointers. His steals seem like they should be higher than they are, but they're not all that high. But then looking back at kind of what he did with the Lakers... Uh, 
the year after they won the title, the the after bubble Lakers, he had 15 points, six assists, and a steal, and that did make him fantasy relevant that year. In fact, let's see. When I go back, and that was 2021, I think. Where was Schroeder that year? Uh, well, the 2.7 turnovers kind of blew it up. He was uh, he was in the 130 range. That's actually really surprising. I thought that would have been better. And a low field goal percent, I guess, hurt, but the free throw was pretty good. If he puts up those same numbers and the threes go from 1.2 to closer to 2, you're probably talking about a different thing. Uh, but they need him. So keep one ear out for Schroeder stuff, even if it means that it's going to be in that like just outside the top 100, he might fit a build for you in some way. And that is your weekend preview. That is also your week in review. This was week one. We did it, everybody. Hey, uh, just quickly so you know what's coming up on Monday, we'll have reverse chronological lightning round. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you will. Also, if you're a premium member, Ethan Noroff, Eric Ong, Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, they'll be hosting the premium waiver wire show where they go up over some of the really good pickups of the week and also get into auction uh, format a little bit there. So what kind of fab budget you should be looking at for those uh, putting in your weekly waiver requests as well. Uh, And uh, we got, remember, pro Q&A running 24-7 in our forums right now for premium members as well. Otherwise, the forums are actually kicking pretty good these days. If you're not a premium member, you can just go start a thread in there and people can answer your questions that way. We've tried to move some stuff out of Discord uh, because there are a lot of complaints about getting a new app and then keeping track of everything in there was a little bit of a pain on our side on the administrative end. Uh, so we moved a lot of stuff back into the forums over at sportsethos.com slash community. I think that's all I wanted to talk about. All right, follow me on Twitter because that's the only way you're going to hear from me over Saturday and Sunday. Back at you with uh, in-season episode number six <laughs> on Monday. I'm Dan Baspers. Thanks for listening again, everybody. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. So long.